we think that our healing and our joy is based on certain conditions and certain situations. And the fact is, you can be happy and full of joy and healed even while you're struggling. Even in the midst of loss and difficulties, you can overcome. Greetings, welcome, hey y'all. And to my peeps, sac passe. I'm Herdeen Mercia, the proud host of the Redefining Grief podcast, where we believe life is not perfect, but the requirement of living it is. I'm super excited about today's episode. I know I always say that, but it is really an honor to have this special guest be on the podcast today. But before we get into that, you know, I have to do my grief announcement. In the month of April, I am sharing this wisdom of surrounded by wisdom, surrounded by wisdom. Daily, I'm giving tips and positive affirmations or words or thoughts that I strongly believe is going to really help shift. If it's just a little shift, but help you shift in a positive way about how you're seeing your heartbreak or how you're seeing your grief and giving you that one little tool to really anchor down and doing what is required for you to live your life to the fullest. My other grief announcement is don't forget to check us out on Grief Crusaders community on Facebook, as well as Follow us on all social media platforms. If this episode has impacted you in any way, I'm asking you to leave a review. Leave a review. Leave a five-star review about how we're doing. Tag me on social media. Don't ever hesitate not to enter my DMs so that if you have a question, you have a concern, and don't forget my final grief announcement before I introduce our guest today. Visit www.herdeenmercier.com to learn anything about me, to schedule a consultation, to get a free book um, that is really going to help you understand grief on another level. To go directly to the book, you want to go to www.herdeenmercier.com forward slash resources. Go all the way to the bottom and the book will be sent directly to your email. Once again, I'm excited. And the reason I'm excited is because I am having the love of my life on the podcast this week. And I'm super excited because he is the individual that just makes it so hard for me to have a therapist in my life because he is just damn good. Besides being an amazing father, besides being an amazing son, besides being an amazing husband, He's an amazing, skillful therapist, and he is no other than Dr. Jameson Mercier, my hubby. And he is the co-founder of Mercier Wellness and Consulting. And where you'll go to find all the information about him is mercierwellness.com. Mercierwellness.com. Welcome to the podcast, boo-boo. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I can't believe I have been on this journey for a year and I haven't had you on the podcast yet. 
Because you know you were always going to be a guest. I feel like I'm always on the podcast. <laughs> That's true because you do most of the editing. Until recently, we decided that, you know, you work so hard doing your thing and then to be up at night editing the podcast, I got to get some more support. And I just want to publicly thank you for always going in and editing and producing and helping me out with really this life-changing opportunity for me to spread this message of though your heart is broken, you are not broken and being able to speak to the Grief Crusaders community. Thank you. I love you. I adore you. Even when I get on my on even when I get on your nerves, I know you love me. Mm-hmm. Love you too. Yeah. You know, he's he's acting all shy. He does not like to be on the spot. And I just love when I have him in this position <laughs> with his grace. <laughs> Coming and looking all cute. And another surprise that I just realized thinking about it, when this airs, that week we'll be celebrating our 13th or 14th wedding anniversary. Which one is it, babe? Okay. Okay. I don't know. When is it dropping? (laughs) Next week. (laughs) Next week. Okay. Is it 13th or 14th? You know I'm bad with it. Uh, that would be 14. Woo! 14 years of um, having to really be my anchor in times where I wasn't anchored. I got to publicly thank you. I love you. I adore you. Thank you for being such an amazing husband, an amazing father. Thank you. And a listening ear, as well as when I tell you to put on your therapist hat, you're able to be a therapist when I need it. No problem. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. So let's get into this. Hope is not a plan has really been coming up in the kitchen conversations, me juicing. I think it was last week. And I was like, baby, remind me of that information about hope not being a plan. And we started talking about it. How one time you said that wisdom bomb or I should say pearls of wisdom that I typically would say it. It's like, wow, my it feels like a, a bomb going off in my brain when I hear such things. And I'm like, you know what? He's he's right. And so how did that come apart of your whole idea? I don't even want to think, is it a motto? Is it a belief? How did this hope is not a plan come about for you? Well, I actually came across the phrase, so to be honest, it's not original to me. You know, that's not a Dr. Mercier-ism or anything like that. I was, um, I was watching a movie late one night, and one of the main characters just happened to say that, and this was maybe three, four years ago. It was one of those situations where the context totally didn't match. So they were on an oil rig, and as soon as they said it, it clicked for me in the context of marriage and relationships. And so I just started thinking about that. And a lot of people do get married, and they hope that they have a good marriage. There are a lot of parents who hope that their children end up well-adjusted, contributing members of society, people go to college and hope they graduate. 
And the fact is that that can never be a plan. If hope is your plan, then you have a problem. And so I just would think about that. And, you know, then you begin to see connections in books you read and articles you read. And then it got me thinking about Obama and his, you know, mantra and, you know, all the hope he was talking about. What is Obama mantra? Well, his whole thing was change and, you know, hope. The idea that you have to believe in something bigger. But after hoping, though, he he would say uh, his thing was, yes, we can. Mm -hmm. And not to be like an English teacher, but yes, we can implies that you're doing something. Mm. And so he did not just have hope, but he also had a plan. And so there's nothing wrong with hope, but hope alone won't get you anywhere. Mm. And I, as I hear you say this and you're like, and the whole entire, as you know this, you edit the podcast, this whole 2021 has really been about actively healing. You know, I always say, you know, it's time to stop the emotional dumping. How are you going to actively heal? Once you get the emotions off your chest, like once you get the emotions out, whether it's out to a therapist or your girlfriend or a pastor or a coworker or talking to yourself in the grocery store, once you get it out, how are you going to actively do something to heal? And so that's why I wanted to, to come on the podcast, because as grief crusaders, like we're grieving many things. We're grieving moving. We're grieving change. We're grieving graduation from college and that whole notion of what's next. We're grieving because we have a hope. We had a hope to be married for 10 years, 15 years, 50 years, and it only lasted two. We had a hope that we would get married, but yet I'm 50 and I'm still married without children. So how do I actively deal with these emotions that are coming up and not just have a hope, but put the work behind it? You know, you can't just hope that you will get better either. Even in this season that we're in, a lot of people are walking around here hoping that they don't get COVID. And truth be told, some of them will manage to avoid it. But a lot of people have and will continue to contract COVID because they don't have a plan. And so there is something to be said about people just being lucky. There is this thing called luck and other people will say it's, you know, being blessed. That's what I would say. (laughs) Listen, that's fine. Highly favored. (laughs) Well, not not to get too off track, all children of God are blessed and highly favored. Come on now. Come on. I I know you were going (laughs) to give it to me. (laughs) I I don't. But that's that's a different conversation for a different episode. Because we're all blessed and we are all highly favored. But what are you doing with that favor? What are you doing with it? And and so back to the original question, you know, you can't just hope that things will be better. If you think grieving and dumping and acknowledging the, the truth of your emotions is hard, wait until you actually have to put some 
plans in place. Right? That's just the first step. Acknowledging it and being honest with yourself, yes, fine, we've done that. Okay, but that is only the beginning. That is only the beginning. And so then you actually sit down and you set a destination, you set a goal, and then I like to say you reverse engineer it. And when I say that to people, they often ask me, what does that mean? And so if you want to build a house, you go to the finished product and you work your way backwards. And so that way you figure out what your steps were all along the way. What do you do first? What do you do second? And what's the last thing? And that becomes your plan and you just kind of work your way backwards. And when you step back and look at it, that's essentially your roadmap. You know, long marriages are not easy. Being healthy emotionally, spiritually, mentally, that's not easy. So, for example, just to be clear, if you want to have a long, happy marriage, you must plan to talk Mm. a lot. You have to expect to talk a lot. You have to expect to actually have the same conversation multiple times. You have to expect to not have your way many times. And what do you do about that? It, it, it just doesn't happen. So that's part of the plan. How do you do? How are you going to deal with disappointment? Are you going to have tantrums? Are you going to have your own outlet? Right? Because your husband or your wife can't be your outlet all the time. What do you do? So you need to plan for those. And many people simply just don't know. Mm-hmm. Right, we just don't know. People go to college all the time, but they don't know how to study. Mm. You know, they may never have had to study; they just kind of breeze through high school. Mm-hmm. But that—that that, I mean, I—I I must say that some people just are ignorant of how to lay out a plan. Yeah, and yeah. that's where a lot of people get hung up. Yeah, and it and it begins to overwhelm them. So there is no progress. You can't put anything together, and so you get comfortable in the season of your despair versus trying to get uncomfortable in getting into your healing. Well, yeah, I mean, or you don't get comfortable, or you're just always miserable. Not everyone's comfortable in their despair. But you know what, babies? I think some people are. I think some some people people are are comfortable in their despair because it is what they know. Some people prefer what's familiar. Okay, I'll take that. This is why abuse in relationships continue. Mm. It's, It's very uncomfortable. It's quite disturbing. But you know how to handle the abuse. You know if he drinks on a Tuesday night, and he drinks on a Friday night, you know what to expect. That is preferable versus the unknown. Mm. You got me going so many ways that I'm like, where do I start next? (laughs) I do want to go to what you talked about. And it says something about you have to plan to talk, but you have to plan to talk honestly. But the first anchor that I teach is that truth anchor. It liberates the soul. And so many times people get caught up, whether it's in a relationship, because you talk about this, which hubby is a podcaster as well. And his podcast is called the Renegade Podcast. Relationship Renegade. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Relationship Renegade, right? 
right? And what do you talk about on the relationship renegade is these things, the different dynamics of relationships and what come up. And I think one of the things I have learned just listening to the podcast is that communication is key, but truthful communication is where true intimacy lies. Oh, yeah. No, it goes without saying that you have to be honest. If you're not going to be honest, then, you know, you might as well just, you know, just shut the hell up. Just don't, just don't bother. Because it's only going to breed frustration, mm-hmm. anger, resentment. And, and there are often reasons for that, though, right? So even before you start talking, you have to create the space in which we can communicate. Mm-hmm. Because not every relationship has that space for honest and open communication. And so even when people lie or are not 100% honest, while we may not like that, um, but as a clinician, honestly, that doesn't bother me when people lie to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I may not like it, but if I have my clinical hat on, I, I say, what's going on here that made you feel like you had to lie to me? Mm-hmm. That for me is more important than having the truth in that moment. I'd I'd rather know what was that about. So what I hear you saying, you would prefer to get to the root of it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because you may tell me the truth today and lie to me tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so essentially we've accomplished nothing. Mm. You know, I often say to clients, to myself, to people in the grocery store that we're really conversing, that the truth of the matter is what you refuse to reveal, you cannot heal. What you refuse to reveal, you cannot heal. So Dr. J, to the individuals or the grief crusaders that are listening, that are having a hard time looking in the mirror, and talking about their truth, whether it's good, the bad, the very, very ugly, they're stuck in this cycle of pointing the finger and saying or believing if I was with somebody, they would help me. Or if I had different parents, they would help me. And they're grown adults. If I had a different cultural background, things would be different. If I had financial resources, this things this would be different. But they can't get to the healing because they're so caught up in the story. What do you say to them, Dr. J? Uh, about a year or two ago, we did an episode called uh, I'll Be Happy When. Mm. And this is essentially the question you're asking. We think that our healing and our joy is based on certain conditions in certain situations. And the fact is, you can be happy and full of joy and healed even while you're struggling. Even in the midst of loss and difficulties, you can overcome. And even, I'll just add this, when we talk about healing, sometimes I think we have to recognize that not everyone requires healing some people really just need a different plan, right? Healing suggests that we were hurt. And if you were hurt, fine. But if you were just kind of disappointed or things didn't work out, then okay, 
dust yourself off and come up with a plan. Mm-hmm. I just I just don't want us to, to think that everyone is hurting. Tell me more that, about that because you know, most of our clients that come in for the most part, they're hurting. I know, especially on my end. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're the the, the grief expert, so yeah. you, they will go to you for that. That's yeah. what they're looking for. Life is full of disappointments. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't get what we want. We don't get what we hoped for. And we're okay with that. We may have wanted to be married with this woman or this man, and it ended up, and you know, ended up we broke up. Some people will grieve that. Not everyone. Mm-hmm. Not everyone will grieve that. Some people will recognize that. Wow, that's tough. I invested all this money, time, resources, but for them, it's more a matter of reflection. And in that reflection, we come to realize, not everyone, some people, we come to realize perhaps this was the best thing for me right now. Mm -hmm. But I think that typically happens later on because oftentimes when it first hits you that the relationship isn't going the way you want, you do have that moment where you not only grieve the heartbreak of it, ending, but you grieve that the story that you have already wrote the ending for is not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Again, for some people, for, for, for some people, I, I'll just tell you straight up. Uh-huh. I've had some relationships end and I didn't grieve those, not one bit. Okay. Okay. And, and here's, what the, here's what the crazy thing is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even when we are in those relationships or working towards those plans, and, and I know we're kind of like veering off track a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even when we're actively working towards this goal or in this relationship, moving towards marriage or Cinderella, Prince Charming story, there's something telling us that maybe this ain't the right path. <laughs> and when it ends up not working, how the hell are you going to grieve that when all along you had a sense it wasn't going to work out anyways? But you know what? Some people are not connected to their intuition because they're so distracted by the, the hope You're of right, things baby. working You're out. Right. You're right. But I'm telling you, for those people who know they're building something on the house of cards, it's only a matter of time. If you ain't making your car payments, you ain't paying your house, it's only a matter of time before they come and take your stuff. Okay. Yeah. And so don't tell me you didn't expect it to come crumbling. Yeah, you might be sad, but I mean, come on, come on. What did you expect? Yeah. The problem you know, is you didn't have a plan for that. Yeah. And you know, I would, even this week, like we're working, we have plans to show up for our clients. We have plans to record our podcast. We have plans to be family members. We have plans to be parents to our kids. We even introduce Apollo to the family, our new Rottweiler dog that has stole my husband from me and all my extra time that I used to get. I am now sharing with Apollo and look at him as he fight not to smile. (laughs) But he brings us so much joy. I digress. Let me go back. I say to you, 
we have these roles, but we still don't expect that a phone call can change our life. And you know, we yesterday and this week, we've personally been dealing with a family member being ill. We don't know if it's going to go northwest, south, you know, we don't, or east. We don't know how it's going to head, but we, I felt it emotionally. I felt like I didn't even want to go to boot camp this morning. Like I didn't want to participate in the world. I felt My feelings were telling me, clear my schedule, right? Clear Mm -hmm. my schedule. But how big of a hypocrite I would feel I would be because I teach my clients the power of going to your emergency toolbox in these situations and pulling from that. And so at five o'clock in the morning, you're knocked out. I look over, he's still sleeping. 5.15, he is still sleeping. I need to be at boot camp by 5.30 in the morning. And I'm leaving the house at 5.45. 5.40, I believe. Do the five-minute drive. I know I'm already late, but truth be told, I had to practice what I preach. Not only that, I felt amazing after completing my my workout. And so based on feelings, a lot of individuals can't get to the plan because they are making decisions based on feeling. What wisdom can you share with the Grief Crusaders community that are making decisions based on feeling and not pulling from their emergency toolkit? Yeah, yeah. During those times um, of storms. You know, over the years, I've said, you can't operate out of on emotions alone. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, I've also come to learn and recognize that there's a place for emotions. Mm-hmm. Simply because you can't operate on emotions alone doesn't mean that you should be totally dismissive of them. Sometimes. Yes, it makes sense to go to that emergency bag and push through. And then there are times when it actually might make sense to cancel, the, to clear the calendar. Yeah. I think the, the trick is knowing when to pull which bag, right? Mm-hmm. Because clearing the calendar can be the emergency parachute. Yeah. And sometimes the emergency, like the emergency bag can be going for a walk or calling a friend or taking a weekend maybe. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, emotions alone will often mislead you. So you definitely don't want to live your life operating on emotion. But I think as we practice more and we're much more aware, I think we become more in tune we slow down and become a bit more intentional. You know, then we begin to see which uh, decisions need to be made in which circumstances. And it will always change, right? Today, this week, it makes sense to go to boot camp. Next week, next year, next month, whatever may happen, that may to you seem like the most ridiculous thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and so just being open 
recognizing that it isn't just one thing that's in that emergency mm-hmm. bag, but a number of things. You know, emergency kit, there's bandages, there's cream, there's gauze, antiseptic, there's Tylenol, there's tourniquet, you know, there's, you know, water. There's, so there's the emergency kit should have a lot more than one or two things in it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And as you are continuing to work on building your emotional muscle, that's what I call it, you have to be able to make a note and write it down and know that this is where I go during those dark emotional times that you want to revert back to past patterns, whether it's eating, whether it's being in toxic relationships, whether it is overworking, putting in more hours so that you're so distracted that you do not have to deal with the emotion. Yeah, and that's essentially called the plan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The plan, I mean, I'll tell you, when I feel myself being short with the people in my house, right? Mm-hmm. So you, the kids, the dog. Mm-hmm. Something goes off and I'm like, Jameson, something's not right. And mm-hmm. so I take five, 10 minutes and I just say, um, what's happened this week or what happened today? Mm-hmm. And perhaps I, I skipped lunch or perhaps I've been working late, mm-hmm. two, three days straight. And so that's the first thing I do. I stop and I assess what's off. Because your body often will tell you, but you just may not be paying attention. Yeah. And so that's just the plan. And so when you can figure out what's off, you do like a quick scan, you know, a body scan, mind Mm -hmm. scan. Mm -hmm. You know, you do a quick scan and then you take the action to resolve that. I like that. I like that. And so I'm going to follow up with this question, and I know you are a relationship expert. I love seeing you do your work of really helping couples get to the nitty gritty so that they can start loving each other on another level or in a deeper way, having that intimacy in their relationship. I want to ask you, oftentimes I am in counsel And I'm dealing with individuals who are wrestling with the fact that here they are, they're working on themselves. They're trying to get better. What advice do you give to the listeners who are saying, my spouse is just not getting that I'm trying to evolve and they're staying stagnant? You know, they like they have a plan. They have an active plan. They have moved away. They've graduated from that hope thinking. They have a plan of what they want for them, but they have a spouse who really are in the hope world and emotionally they're draining them. And they want to stay in this relationship? And they want to stay. So is it? are you saying to, to exit? Think about exiting? Well, so the thing is, if so, for some people, leaving the relationship is not an option. Mm-hmm. They made a decision. No, I'm not leaving. Mm-hmm. And so, if you if you if leaving is not an option for you, all right. So you're with someone who, in this season, you may be unequally yoked. There might be some mismatch in dreams and ambition. 
First thing I want to say is that is quite common in a relationship, Mm -hmm. right? The mistake in that is not, the problem in that situation is not that one person is more ambitious or motivated while the other one is just kind of hoping and wallowing. The problem in that situation is thinking that you will always be the same. Mm. Right? It's a it's a mindset problem. Feeling like you and your boyfriend, husband, wife, partner, that you guys will always be on the same wavelength. And then, well, we got to be careful. We place judgment values, right? Where we're like, well, I have a plan and I'm motivated, I'm driven. And he or she is not. Mm. And so then we call him or her lazy, or we think he or she is lazy, unmotivated, has no vision. He or she may be a dream killer. And so now, while you're saying that about him or her, you're essentially kind of placing yourself slightly above and better than he or she. Mm. We don't always recognize that that's what's happening, but that is what's happening. And in six months or a year, the tables will be turned, right? When you accomplish what it is you're accomplishing, then you'll be chilling. And then he or she will come along and be like, yo, we got to do this. I got this awesome plan and this and that. And he might look at you or she might look at you and be like, you're so unmotivated. Mm. And so we really got to zoom out. Um, and, I, and I hear the question. I hear the question. I appreciate the question, but it isn't, that is not the most helpful way to frame it. Mm. Because that keeps us locked into this, this battle, right? Me versus him or her. When really what's happening is, we're just kind of like leaves in the wind. You know, you see the leaves just kind of twirling around each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're doing. Wow. wow. You know, if you are in a union, this is the dance of relationships. We're, we both won't always be up. We both won't always be motivated. And we've said this before. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to pull me along. And other days I got I to gotta carry you along. And I would think that that's all right in a relationship. Yeah, yeah. But you know, one of the things I said to you when we were engaged, like I will never forget, I said, honey, you would have failed me as a husband if I'm still the same woman 5, 10, 15 years into the relationship. But you know what? I am going to put an asterisk there. I would have failed myself if I didn't do the work on my own because it really starts with me. And I think in the past, when I was thinking about it, I'm having this pow moment right now, like pearls of wisdom, like literally right now. In the past, I had had put all the burden on you. But Mm -hmm. in this season of me, really, and I don't know if it's the training, you know, I think we are ingrained as girls that you're going to come on the chariot and save us from all our problems, right? Well, yeah, but it's not just girls Uh because men receive that 
training or indoctrination as well mm-hmm. to be the one to rescue, to be the one to save. And a lot of men just are unable to live up to that. Mm-hmm. But it's worse when you're unable to live up to it. And yet you have a wife, girlfriend who expects you to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're like, nah, that ain't me. Mm-hmm. But then he, she's like, it has to be you because that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. And you're like, no, that's not me. And so now we're fighting not each other, but like we've adopted these two ideas of who we ought to be. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense. And we're trying to force them to make sense. Mm-hmm. It's madness. I want you to talk about expectation in the relationship. Give us some tips for individuals who are in relationship and really break it down. We're not talking about relationship with just a spouse. Let's break down all types of relationships that can happen on this earth while you're here. And the baby, we can't. That they have. We, we can we can't break down all kinds of relationships. Yes, you can. You can just the say last five minutes of your episode. <laughs> no, no. You know, I got to juice out as much wisdom as yeah, I can from you. Yeah. But just in, no, a, in a nutshell, baby, you I, have relationship with your kids, you have relationship with... Right, right. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying, but to y'all out there in podcast land, y'all gonna have to go over to Relationship Renegade. Come on now, drop get it! All of this because <laughs> there's one that's just no way. Okay, oh, you say go to Relationship Renegade for more of Dr. James and Mercier, licensed clinical social worker wisdom. <laughs> yeah, there's there's three years of episodes sitting over there waiting for y'all. Yes. Um, but here's the thing, right? So you asked about expectations in relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, there is nothing wrong with having expectations, whatever your expectations are. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have expectations of people that we've never met before. And we don't even realize it. Mm. We have a quick conversation via text or chat, or we see a picture on a dating app. And suddenly we just expect a ton of stuff. And when the reality doesn't meet the expectations, we get all kinds of disappointment and upset. And the first question I ask is, what led you to believe that you should expect these things? Mm. And so you get all kinds of answers, right? People will say things like, isn't that how it should be? Mm. Or that's what happened to my friends, or that's what I was told. Movies, stories, whatever, you know? And so our expectations are often misplaced. Let me start there. Okay, and so... We, if, we're, if, if we're disappointed and we have these unmet expectations, first, let's just check the expectation, okay? Because that's something we all can do. Check our own expectations. Did he or she promise you? Did he or she ever do anything like this to make you think that they would continue or that they would do something similar? I don't know, okay? If you're talking about, and so that's a, you know, partner, husband, wife, dating relationship. If you're talking mother and child, parent, child relationship, we also need to check that because as parents, we have expectations of our children and we need to check those as well. 
just because Brother Joe's kids and Sister Sue's kids want to be doctors and lawyers don't mean that's what your kid want to do. Okay, that's your problem, not his. Don't put that on that kid. Don't do that. And and kind of like along the lines of what we were talking about just a second ago, if you're in a relationship and you're motivated and your spouse or partner isn't, you expect them to be just as motivated and they're not, well, you got to check yourself, right? Did he or she ever suggest to you that they wanted to be working 22 hours a day, not sleeping, not eating, so they can, you know, do whatever in 90 days or do whatever in, in six months. Sometimes we set ourselves up for the grief. Mm, tell me more about that. We set ourselves up for the grief because there's nothing wrong with hoping and aspiring to. But if you're like four feet tall and you're talking about you're going to, you know, be the best uh, basketball player that ever lived, mm. okay? I'm okay, I have no problem with dreaming. As a matter of fact, I dream all the time. But after you say that, you must then map it out. If you don't know how to dribble the ball, there's a problem, okay? No matter how high you jump, you're still going to be shorter than everybody else. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. When you think about the number of people, and I, and I do this exercise all the time, if you think about the number of people on a basketball team, five starters, second string, third string, let's just call it 15. Real quick, let's do this. 15 people on a basketball team. Multiply that by the number of people, by the number of high schools, high school basketball teams in your state. Let's just say there are 100 basketball teams in your state, which there's not. But then multiply that by the number of states there are. There's 50 states. Okay? That's just high school. Imagine college. So you might as well multiply that by three. And then when they do a draft, how many people get selected for the draft? I don't and know. You're telling me. I don't pay. You're telling me you're you're gonna make that. Now again, call me a dream killer, whatever. Am I telling you don't dream? No, but you have to look at that and develop a plan. Mm. Now, now also think about this: the odds are already stacked against you, and. If you are unsuccessful, how much of that do you need to own? Or are you going to blame that on someone else? Mm. When you're selecting a spouse, you don't do your homework. You don't research. You don't, you don't talk about some key things. You don't have some essential conversations. And then you turn around sad and brokenhearted when he or she takes all your money and leaves. You have to see how much of that is your fault. That's what I mean by you set yourself up for your own grief sometimes. Yeah, but I get that. But I also, um, nobody's really taught to look in the mirror. People are taught to point the finger. And so how do we change that narrative? And really sometimes that first ever, even beginning to think about that concept is when they're sitting with us as clinicians, you know, as therapists to say, what part of this are you 
holding a percentage of, you know? You're, 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 I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, and as clinicians too, I will say this, we have a duty to, you know, take care of our clients, but we also have to be honest with them. I don't know about you, but after I've let you cry, then I'm like, all right, bro, sis, you got to listen. Let's, let's just talk because you're telling me he got four, five kids and 18 different girlfriends and you thought you was gonna, he was going to treat you different. Mm, those hard truths. Yeah, right? Like you got to do your homework. And so there's grief that results from like accidents mm-hmm. and surprises. Mm-hmm. Okay. Car accidents, the tragedies that you can't foresee, um, COVID. I understand that. Mm-hmm. And then there's grief that to some extent, to certain degrees, we could have avoided. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about your financial grief and you're grieving your money problems, but you just keep racking up credit card debt, like that's a problem. Mm-hmm. There's and a hope. Just, there, you know, there's a hope and not a plan to actually do something about it. You can't spend your way out of out of credit card debt. You know, you mm-hmm. gotta do make some. You gotta have a plan, mm-hmm. right? There's something called the budget. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things called Excel sheets. Mm-hmm. Okay, use them. And if you don't know, just start asking. Right, some pain is is unnecessary, and that is. I think for me as a clinician, some of the hardest cases for me, the the pain and grief that was avoidable. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the that's that's the piece that those are the cases that stick with me, right? There are there are some heartaches that we do not have to experience. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we do uh repeatedly those cases, when when I get those calls and have those clients, you know, I almost treat them like a sister or a brother because it's like let's let's really talk. Let's let's let me let me put the degree down for a minute and let's just talk. Mm-hmm. Those stick with me. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the hardest things that I do as a clinician, if I hear any hitting or domestic violence, I'm like, like you, hold on just a second. I probably take off my glasses and I get real, real, real quick. Like your life is in danger. Mm. There's not, it for me, I think about it. It's not, it's really when it's going to end. When are you going to turn over your life to this individual that is destroying it, whether it's mental abuse, physical abuse, financial abuse, like all of that is real. And so I, I too can understand what that means to have that serious heart to heart chat mm-hmm. and what it's like. I think this is really a really good place to end. And before we end, being that it is our anniversary weekend, um, I think this year I told you, you have done so much to really be at home with the kids, seeing your clients, doing what you do best. 
as I get to leave the house, you know, and see clients and come back. And I told you this year that I am taking over our whole anniversary weekend. You do not even have to plan it. I'm excited about what I have in store for you. I'm excited about being able to spoil you. You know, I love surprises. I love the fact that it makes you feel so awkward. (laughs) (laughs) And just know I have you in mind for that weekend, that really that weekend. I know it's going to be our 14th wedding anniversary, but I really do believe this is a year. I just want you to chill back and relax. Nervous already. know why you just like I know that's why you're so silent every time I bring it up because you don't know what I'm gonna do you don't know if it's gonna include a blindfold you don't know what no I I know it's not gonna be no blindfold because we don't do blindfolds anymore (laughs) anymore Mm, I don't like blindfolds (laughs) because you like to know what's happening (laughs) what's happening but trust me I have you in mind I really want you to relax and enjoy as we celebrate our 14th wedding anniversary. Okay, doke. Okay, doke. Y'all, y'all send a search party if I don't come back. (laughs) (laughs) And so what for you, you would say in the last 14 years you have learned or what wisdom, instead of asking my traditional pearls of wisdom, three questions, in the last 14 years, what has been um, some highlights for you or lessons or wisdom that you can extract from our love story? People always talk about soulmates. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea of a soulmate, I mean, when you're young, you buy into some of those things. But early on, I fell out of love with the whole idea of a soulmate. Mm-hmm. Because a soulmate gives the impression that this marriage thing, uh, it's easy. Mm. It's automatic. You just find your soulmate and then set it and forget it. He gets you, she gets you, you guys click, and then boom, you live happy ever after. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Okay? Soulmates fall in love, they fall out of love. Soulmates get married, soulmates get divorced. Soulmates cheat on each other. And so the thing I've learned about marriage is that any two people, you can be black and white, you can be European, Italian, Irish, you can be from whatever polar ends of the globe you want. You don't even have to speak the same damn language. Any two people, if they want a successful marriage and they are committed to achieving that, they will have it. They will have it. There's nothing that says that that is reserved for soulmates. There's nowhere that it says that people who are polar opposites have no chance. So that's, that's what I tell people, that I don't really care what your background is. I don't really care, you know, what's going on. 
I don't even really care what they did or what they said. Do the both of you want to make this work? Because at that point, you put your feelings aside, you put your histories aside, and you are taking a step together forward to do the things that will make the relationship work. Mm. Any two people can do that. Any, from the small things to the big things. And so after 14 years of being married, I've essentially learned that if we are going to be together, I got to get out. You got to, we got to get out of this whole fantasy BS because that's really what it is. That's just a way to sell movie tickets and mm-hmm. romance novels. You grow to love each other authentically, genuine for who the person is, flaws and all, flaws and all, for the things that you do that annoy the person, for the things that you do that you wish they didn't have, but because within those flaws lies the person that you love and care for, you don't look at those things. You focus on the good qualities. Well, there you have it. It's not about being... A soulmate is that really just ha- having the the wherewithal to say, I'm committed to this relationship. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I'll put it succinctly, right? It's not about being my soulmate. Be my teammate. Mm. Mm. It's not about being my soulmate. Be my teammate. You're going to have to come back to break that down, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Dr. J. You're going to have to come back and break that down. Or let's have that conversation on the renegade. I always forget. Relationship renegade. Relationship Relationship renegade. renegade. See, you just said it's not about me being perfect. It's about me trying to do my best and be the best teammate that I can be. This has truly been a journey of ups and downs with you. I love you for being my teammate. Love you. Thank you for being a guest on the Redefining Grief podcast. Wow, that was amazing. It was truly an honor to have this opportunity to speak to the love of my life, Dr. Jameson Mercier. And if you really want to learn more about him and probably try to figure out how did he get down with someone who is like the life of the party. That's me. And he is so mellow, doesn't like, the center of attention. He can be quiet in any place. He's always processing something. But you know what? In these 14 years, I have to say, he has really, really caused me to want to really learn the art of Dr. James and Mercy or what allows him to be still in the storm. What allows him to silence himself? What allows him to really process without panicking? That's me. I'm, I, I used to panic really quickly. And what allows him to just be still? I don't know how else to say. He's really cool, calm, collective, and he just love on me the way he does. And I really have to say, In these 14 years, he has really been rubbing off on me 
in a way like never before, especially in those times in my life where I couldn't sleep at night. I was stressed and I would look over and Dr. J is knocked out. And I'm like, wait a minute, we sharing the same problems here. How is he sleeping? How is he sleeping during this life storm? And I really do believe in our whole model of life isn't perfect, but the requirement of living it is, really has come from me looking at him. Life isn't perfect. He got to get some sleep to show up for the requirement of life. Go check him out. On Instagram, Dr. Jameson Mercier, when he does post, (laughs) he will be there to answer and feel free to go to his DMs. Relationships is what he does. He lives and breathes relationship. And I have not found anybody else to do it the way he does. And not only live it, he practices what he preach. And that's crucial. There's nothing that doesn't come out his mouth that he is not actively processing or working through it in our home. And that's the main reason I love being his teammate. As you learned today, you want to find someone that's your teammate and not your soulmate. Bye-bye. Don't you be discouraged, you You will overcome this You are stronger than you think Hold your head up high I'll be your guide There is strength and in your story There is healing for the broken There is restoration too There is safety and I'll be the one to guide you I'm redefining grief, yeah. I'm redefining grief I'm redefining grief